This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio, wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Hi again, everybody. Welcome into the Black and Blue Report podcast. We are going to cover the Pelicans and the Saints, as we always do on this Wednesday. And welcome in, everybody, to the last day of the NBA regular season. A lot on the line here in Game 82 for the New Orleans Pelicans. And we're at the Smoothie King Center already today, getting ready for the matchup between the Pelicans and the San Antonio Spurs. Hi again, everybody. I'm Sean Kelly. David Wesley here shortly from Fox Sports New Orleans. He helps us look at tonight's regular season finale, what's happened with these Pelicans over the last four games, and, of course, a preview of what's to come, perhaps, if we can sort it all out in the NBA playoffs. It's exciting, to say the least, as the Pelicans clinched the other night with their win at the Los Angeles Clippers. And basically, this ball game this evening plays for a seed, uh, not only for the Pelicans, but for the Spurs as well. Uh, Daniel Salerson's been on this for weeks now. He seems to think he has it down to two scenarios. <laughs> we're, we're, we're hoping that Oklahoma City beats Memphis tonight. Uh, if that happens, this becomes quite simple. If it doesn't, we'll have to do a whole other show. But anyway, let's just assume the Thunder beat the Grizzlies tonight, which I think is a very strong possibility. Then if the Pelicans win tonight, they would then get into a matchup between Uh, the Pelicans, and the Trailblazers, a 3-6 matchup that would see the Pelicans go off to Portland to start that series. If the Pelicans were to lose tonight to the Spurs, they would tumble all the way down via tie breaks and otherwise to probably number eight in the Western Conference, which means then a first-round matchup with top-seeded Houston, which I don't think is advantageous for the Pelicans in a lot of ways. Anyway, so that's kind of what's on the line tonight for the New Orleans Pelicans. Nonetheless, all exciting here as the Pelicans have made the postseason for the first time since 2015. So with that being said, we're hoping that everybody's at the building tonight and uh, making a lot of New Orleans noise, if you know what I mean. I think there might be a chance you could still get tickets this afternoon. You'll have to hustle. You'll have to get creative a little bit. But uh, we'd love to see you for tonight's game because it means so much. On the NFL side, our draft preview series continues today. We'll check in with the Indianapolis Colts, who select sixth in the upcoming NFL draft. We'll uh, also, uh, I guess, see how that impacts the Saints as they pick further down in the first round or get, I guess, a sense of what Indy's doing and as it how may relate to the New Orleans Saints. So that's kind of our podcast today. We've got so much to cover on the basketball side. We're going to hustle up, take our first break and then spend a lot of time with David Wesley in getting you ready for tonight's ballgame. In 1907, Dixie Beer was a balanced, refreshing lager, brewed with love and top-quality ingredients. It would grow to become something that connected us, the neighborhood beer of every New Orleans neighborhood. And now, Dixie is back to that 1907 recipe. Original and reinvented, just like its hometown. Visit DixieBeer.com to learn more. And always drink Dixie responsibly. Dixie Brewing Company, New Orleans, Louisiana. What is big? Big is DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis. Fire and ice, boogie in the brow. It's two of the league's most dynamic big men. It's razor wire around the rim on defense. And a powder keg offense ignited by explosive ball handling. See the Pels play the San Antonio Spurs Wednesday, April 11th at our fantastic finale. 
first 9,000 fans get a free Rajon Rondo bobblehead. Visit pelicans.com for tickets. New Orleans Pelicans, do it big. Guess what day it is? Hump day? Well, yeah, and it's Wesley Wednesday on the Black and Blue Report. All right, let's dig a little deeper into this New Orleans Pelicans situation in Game 82 of the regular season for most everybody, especially in the Western Conference. There are four huge games of relevance tonight. San Antonio at New Orleans, obviously. Denver at Minnesota in a winner-take-all action. Memphis is at Oklahoma City, and Utah plays Portland after the Jazz smoked the Warriors last night. Uh, David Wesley uh, from Fox Sports New Orleans, I won't ask you to try and break down all of this. Let's zero in on the San Antonio, yeah, San Antonio New Orleans matchup tonight. First of all, um, you're in a good position. You've made the playoffs, but we don't know a whole lot beyond that, do we? Not really, and you know, I think it makes it a little more exciting. Uh, the fans can get into it and and you know pick and figure out what's going on. And there's so many different scenarios. You really don't know what's going to happen. So what you do is you forget about all that as a player and. You just deal with what you have in front of you, and that's the San Antonio Spurs. And let every—I mean, you can't control all that other stuff. So why worry about it? When it happens, you'll know, and then you'll know where you're going to play in the first round. David, what have we learned about the Pelicans in their most recent win streak and the ability to clinch on Monday night? Well, I, I thought exceptional road trip, obviously, and, and beating the Warriors um, on the road. Uh, continuing to play well on the road. The road is what's got them in the playoffs. Um, and different guys stepping up. And you got excellent, excellent games out of Miritich. His last four um, have been not just good, they've been better than good, better than what he's been do- doing over um, his time here. Um, especially last game, I thought they came out, they took care of business, they didn't wait around. Let this team hang around, get some confidence. Uh, I, I thought it was uh, a great trip and, and shows a lot of heart from the whole squad and got uh, what they needed from guys. And, and it looks like they have a focus that they need. And you certainly want to be playing well going into the playoffs. And I think they're doing that. What will make you think that that continues tonight? Do you also in any way have any concern that they would relax a little bit going into this last game? Uh, human nature. I, you know, I, I I hope not. And I, you know, I don't know if you saw that clip, you know, of the locker room. And you might have even been near the locker room and heard it firsthand. But uh, the last thing Alvin said to him before the camera went off was, we're not done. Get your rest. Come focus. Be ready. Uh, certainly you want to be in the best possible position, the highest seed you can possibly be. And this game, therefore, is important. And hopefully they come to the game tonight with that kind of uh, mentality. They've had to put in so much work, and they've spent a lot of um, a lot of emotion and energy in getting to the playoffs. It would seem a natural reaction would be exhale, uh, and hopefully they don't do that. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, one thing I've heard from the players, even before Monday night's uh, thought dominant win over the Clippers, is that this group of players, David, feels like they can play with anybody in the NBA. Are are they real in thinking that based on the way they've played here recently? Well, that, you know what? That's what I've said when I have fans or, or people come up to me and, and say, you're so critical or you're so negative. 
Well, I am that way because I do have a belief in this team, and we've all seen this team play at a level that is as good as any team in the league. And on any given night, when they put that kind of effort, they can beat any team in the league. The problem is is we've seen some really, really highs and some really, really lows, and when they get to those lows, I can be very critical. But certainly – if they go out there and play the way that, that we've seen them when they're playing at their best, moving the basketball, playing with pace, the last half of the season their defense has gotten better. And when they get locked in like that, yes, I like their chances in the playoffs and, and, and certainly uh, should get through the first round. If, if you had to pick a first-round opponent, and David, it's likely here, again, there's a couple of different scenarios, but the two highest um, – I guess probabilities would be the Houston Rockets or the Portland Trailblazers. Um, I think I know your answer to this, but talk to me about what each of those matchups might bring. Well, I I think, first of all, my pick would be Portland um, for the simple fact that uh, I think Houston um, will be playing for a championship this year. Um, they're a, they're a juggernaut, Houston Rockets, and they present all the problems that we've seen. They're, they're shooting, their depth, um, you know, they're, they're, they're superstars, um, uh, their ball movement, the whole nine yards, they are just a beast. They're pick and roll with Clinton Capella rolling down the paint, gave the Pelicans trouble just about every game. So those are the things that they present, obviously, with Portland, you got that two-headed attack, two of the best back or one of the best backcourts in the league um, with Lillard and McCollum, um, and and they're always tough. Uh, you know, even on their bad nights, uh, you could take them on their bad nights, and you know, come winning time, you don't want either one of them shooting the basketball if, if you're a uh, Pelican. So, um, and they got they got some wings, they got um, you know some you know some guys that slash and get to the basket. Aminu, uh, you know, he's fallen in love with this three, but good rebounder, defender, those kind of things. So they have good parts. You know, I think the Pelicans would do a nice job in the first round against them, though. Okay. All right. Uh, the task at hand, though, is San Antonio. The Spurs are 47-34. and 34. They've won six of the last ten, including two in a row. Um, we've seen um, both sides do well against one another in the regular season series thus far, David. Uh, break down, if you don't mind, this this very important final meeting of the regular season tonight. Well, um, you know, they, they seems like Aldridge has played well as in the game he, he went out uh, with an injury, has played well against uh, the Pelicans, and they have to figure that out. Um, some of their actions give the Pelicans problems, but, you know, in this game, you, you can't turn the ball over. You can't allow them the easy basket. You have to rebound against them and you have to play smart you can't beat yourself uh, against a, a spurs team they're well coached and a team that you thought there's no way they're making the playoffs this year once again for 21 years here they are uh making the playoffs so um you know and popovich has done a great job of of kind of going with the times and and figuring out ways to coach to his talent and he's done it again and uh, you know, the Pelicans have to be them. They have to do what they do, which is pace. They have to take care of the basketball. I, I saw a stat this morning. Um, 
last two games, 71 assists and 16 turnovers, outstanding. If they can play like that, they're tough. Uh, and they get big numbers from A.D. and Drew. But now if Meritage can keep his hot streak going, uh, you know, and the bench has been playing well, there's a lot of good things that you can look at for the Pelicans going into this game that this should be a win. Uh, again, you want to be able to win at home. For some reason, they're a better road team, but you don't want to have to go into, you know, you you don't want to, you want to be able to go into San Antonio or go into Portland and get a win, but you also want to take care of your business here at home. David, I'm glad you mentioned the word pace just a moment ago. Um, you and I have talked about this. San Antonio is the only team in the NBA whose opponent's points per game is less than 100. Um, how do you counter that tonight? It certainly played into the last meeting between these two. Well, you have to kind of force it. Uh, you, you have to force the issue. Uh, you know, the, if you're walking the ball at the court, you're playing into their hands. They're going to be more, uh, you know, methodical about what they do. You give them opportunities, they're going to run, score easy baskets. But for the most part, they're going to be a half court, throw it into Aldridge. Everybody's going to cut and split and handoffs. Uh, and, again, you have to have great communication on defense to handle all those those actions. But, you have to get out and run, and you have to be aware that this is what we want to do. We want to play with pace. This is how we play better. Uh, and, and, you know, even made baskets out quick up the floor um, and start your offense early, not, you know, at 12. You want to start it at 16 or 17. You want to be already going at what you're doing. So, um, you know, I think they just have to be focused and mindful that this is what we want to do and, and kind of force that issue a little bit. Fair enough. Hey, last thing before I let you go, David, and that's this. I asked you about the team relaxing. Let's go to the other end of the spectrum because I think you and I are in agreement that we don't think that they'll relax after clinching on Monday night. But then there's also that problem with maybe playing a little too tight when the stakes are as such as they are this evening. Um, you know, just from a player standpoint, how do you not key yourself up too much for the ball game? Well, think about this. The stakes aren't. The stakes were high, and they played three marvelous games. Uh, they went on the road knowing they needed to win. They won. They, they, they took care of business on the road. They're now in the playoffs. The pressure isn't, isn't to necessarily go out there and, and be something you're not. The pressure is, 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 is a lot less. You're in. Now you just want to play a good game. Uh, and that's why I, I, I – that's how I think. Like, we – we, we did the hard work. Now we're playing for position. Um, that's why I think there, you know, that human nature of there could be a letdown. But, um, like I said, I don't think there will be, and there's no pressure. Go out there and play basketball. You know, this is a – in some scenarios, you could end up playing San Antonio. So, um, it would be a good time to go out there and show them, you know, that that, that you understand how they play. You're, you're capable of beating them, and they – and and just play a good game. That's a good point. Good stuff right there. David, I hope you have fun tonight because I think I, w I will too. I think it will be exciting. Yeah, I'm, I'm already excited. I don't know why. Yes. I'm, I'm at home and I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff. You'll be on the call, of course, with Joel and Jen tonight on Fox Sports New Orleans. Looking forward to it. David, a playoff edition, if you don't mind, of Wesley Wednesday next week. I like that. That sounds good. That sounds Perfect. Real good. It's been a while. Perfect. Yeah, who knows what city we'll be in. Probably back in New Orleans uh, after two games, but we'll see. Yeah. And uh, right. David, good work, good work today, and thanks again. We'll see you tonight. All right, see you tonight.
You got it. David Wesley, there he goes from Fox Sports New Orleans on a Wesley Wednesday, a pretty cool one here on this final day of the regular season. We'll flip to the NFL and uh, revisit uh, the NFL draft as we take you to pick number six, the Indianapolis Colts, and Andrew Walker joins us in just a moment. Now, Uber takes you couch to courtside at the tap of a button. Heading to a Pelicans game, Uber helps you pass on the parking and focus on the fun. And if you're still an Uber rookie, you can get $20 off your first ride with code PELICANS18. Uber, a proud partner of your New Orleans Pelicans. Now's the time to get off the bench and join Pelican Squad 6 for the 2018-19 season. Season tickets for the Pelicans are available for as low as $550 and include many perks for these loyal fans, such as access to VIP events, experiences, and a bunch more. Plus, commit before April 11th to get in before the early bird price discount ends. For more info on joining Squad 6, call 504-525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com today. Want each show delivered right to your iPhone or iPad? Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by searching Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. We've had a lot of basketball talk, I know, today, but we also have our NFL Draft Preview Series to continue. And as promised, we will look at number six, the Indianapolis Colts, and Andrew Walker from Colts.com is kind enough to join us today. The Colts finished third in the AFC South last season, 4-12 and 12 overall. Just like any team, they have needs, uh, maybe more so than some others, and uh, and I'm sure they've been addressing them. As a matter of fact, I think they just got Kenneth Acker will help them in the defensive secondary as he comes over from Kansas City. But, Andrew, first of all, welcome. Uh, happy draft month to you, sir. Hey, thank you. Uh, you know, it's uh, just like you guys, I think, last year where you, uh, the New Orleans Saints were able to find some gems. Um, I know Chris Ballard's trying to do the same this year as GM of the Colts, especially with nine picks. Um uh, and four in the top 50. So uh, should be interesting for us as far as covering it, but um, but definitely for the team as they try to move forward from 4-12. and 12. That does sound very Saints-like from a year ago when the Saints had an, uh, a, an overwhelming number of picks and, and several of them high like Indy does too. We saw what the Saints did, Andrew, with their picks and the way they kind of flipped their franchise around in a lot of ways. Does this draft, and this is just kind of 30,000 feet to start, does this draft present that kind of an opportunity for Indianapolis? Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about it because uh, especially after the Colts on, now it was a Saturday morning, it was, uh, I think it was St. Patrick's Day, I was just kind of sitting in my living room eating breakfast and I get news that the Colts have traded with the Jets to just move down three spots, Jets get the number three spot, Colts get the number six pick, but then I find out the Colts picked up two second-round picks this year and another one next year. It just kind of you, – you figured maybe the Colts might be looking to move down, but it just mm-hmm. kind of caught me completely off guard. And um, what they got back now, it's, it's obviously people always want to get immediate who's the winner of this or that. It doesn't really matter, but definitely the Colts came out looking really good out of that. And, um, and yeah, just like the Saints last year, now it's up to Chris Ballard to get value out of those picks. Um, you know, obviously it's, it's hard to, to get an Alvin Kamara in the, in the third round or in a mid round and predict what kind of person they're going to be, you know, in the rookie year given an opportunity, but the Colts have needs pretty much everywhere. And, uh, and they have the picks to start building that this year. 
Okay. Let's talk about needs here. And maybe some of them have already been met in free agency, and you can update me on that. But if you're to sure. look at the Colts in, and their offseason, what were the needs that need to, needed to be met most, I guess, by the Colts? Right. Well, immediately you look at the defense. Um, last year ranked near the bottom in, in pretty, most, pretty much most of the, the major categories. However, uh, with Frank Wright coming in as head coach, um, now Matt Eberflus from the Cowboys, he's their linebackers and kind of their um, passing game coordinator. I guess that's kind of the, the things they do now is, you know, you give a guy a coordinator role for a certain part of the defense. He comes over as their as, uh, new Colts defensive coordinator, and they're switching from the 3-4, which was under Trek Pagano since 2012, and switching from 3-4 to the 4-3. So instantly, to me, that signals you need middle linebackers who can not only be thumpers up front in the run game and, and maybe you know make some plays you know uh, sacking the, the quarterback, but you need guys who have speed who can cover, who can cover not only the tight ends and the running backs, but guys who can cover wide receivers as well. So I immediately look at that middle linebacker position, and as of right now, um, it's still pretty wide open. I mean, Najee Good was the guy they signed as a, a free agent out of the Eagles. He was kind of their backup uh, outside linebacker last year on a really good, uh, Eagles defense so a guy that maybe can come in with the right opportunity and get a chance to start one of those three positions but right now as we as it stands right now I'd say when they head into the draft um, even though they you know with that number six pick just it's kind of best available at that point beyond that I would say addressing inside linebacker or linebacker in general is, is probably their best bet. Okay. Hey, with that being said, if you were to hazard a guess what what whether it be a specific name or what kind of player would you suspect that the Colts decide to go with the number six? Yeah, I mean, and I hate to say this because, you know, I've heard a lot. It just, you depend on what are the, what are the Giants going to do at two? What are mm-hmm. the Broncos going to do at five? You know, these quarterbacks, and Frank Reich made a joke at the owners' meetings. He said, boy, these are the four best quarterbacks I've ever seen. I would go one, two, three, four if I were those teams with those four quarterbacks because if you're the Colts, that's what you want. Um, so when, when you pick at six, you either have a Saquon Barkley or Bradley Chubb or Quentin Nelson available. Those are the three names that ideally I think if you're Chris Ballard, you want to see there. Now there are a couple other names um, floating around that, that you know, Tremaine Edmonds or, or Denzel Ward or um, Derwin James from Florida State, you know, guys that might be on their board too as just as good as prospects. But, you know, the hope is, and I don't think there's any way Barkley's there, but you get a Bradley Chubb, the guy that's going to set the tone uh, for your defense as a pass rusher and be an immediate uh, impact guy. Or a Quentin Nelson, who um, by many accounts is one of the best offensive linemen, regardless of position, to enter the draft in, in years, if not decades. So, um, so yeah, so the Colts move from three to six, knowing, pretty, being confident that they can still get a blue-chip player at six, despite the fact they moved down a few spots. Yeah, smart thinking there, no doubt. Uh, it's interesting you're, you're talking about quarterbacks at the top of the draft. And, Andrew, correct me if I'm wrong. In a lot of ways, the Colts almost re – this is not even a word – re-add a quarterback if you look at the Andrew Luck situation. Um, yeah. Yeah. What kind of a boost can that provide? What is the latest storyline surrounding Andrew Luck? Yeah, well, first off, the trade from three to six to me, and I've said this a couple other times, um, that signifies that the Colts are – 100% confident uh, that Andrew Luck doesn't need any more types of surgeries or procedures and that he's looking good and, and they think he'll be ready to go by the season. That that means that they're not staying at three and saying, 
oh, we need to get one of these four quarterbacks to, to come in and, and start uh, competing right away because we're not sure about Andrew. No, that doesn't seem to be the case. Um, Andrew talked this week. You know, the big thing that you'll hear is he hasn't picked up a, um, you know, an NFL football yet. Um, but I think he kind of learned, he said he learned from last year. He had the surgery late in January, uh, immediately obviously began, uh, began recovery and, and rehab and all that. He said he admitted, you know, maybe I skipped a few steps here and there just to try to get myself ready. And then by October, when, when he was finally kind of instituted into practice, just to kind of see where he was at, um, very limited role. Um, you know, he found after a couple weeks of that, his, his shoulder was starting to be pretty sore. Tried to get the, get him a shot, and it didn't work. So they just shut him down um, and, and said, hey, let's focus on next year. So um, after kind of rethinking his rehab since that point, I mean, he I know he has to go out and, and, and do it on the field. He has a brand-new offense under Frank Reich to learn, and that's all going to be challenging. But he just looks better. He just looks better. He sounds better. He just looks like Andrew of old. And um, I think, you know, whether or not he picks up a, a real football, he's throwing a smaller football and he's working on his approach more from the bottom up to kind of alleviate the stress on his shoulder, um, certain ways he can kind of uh, get his release point and his, his bottom half to help that. He's working on that kind of right now. And then the next kind of steps are picking up the football, throwing to his receivers. And then he said he hoped to be full goal by training camp. So we'll kind of check in every once in a while, but it seems like training camp's kind of the – the date to circle right now for Andrew Luck. Good stuff, Andrew. Uh, that's very uh, insightful to say the least. It helps me understand this a little bit better. I, I think you're right about the the signal that's sent by the uh, trading back to six, no doubt about that. Hey, all the best to you guys. It sounds like you're going to have a very busy uh, weekend come late April, and uh, I should also wish you all the best for your other favorite team, and that's the Indiana Pacers as they get set to play here in the Eastern Conference playoffs. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, I'm so excited. I mean, grew up a huge Pacers fan, and then you see, you know, some talent come in like Paul George, and you think they're they're on the rise, and then things kind of just kind of bottom out on them, and then just a, a year of surprise out of nowhere, and they're this tough, uh, tough team that um, that no, as we kind of were saying off air, no one's really talking about, and I think they kind of like it that way. Um, and you know, if they take on the Cavs, um, I don't think the Cavs are especially. Uh, wanting to take on the Pacers right now. The Pacers won the season series. So that'll be a fun one, too, here in Indy. Uh, get get the Colts fans kind of geared up with a nice playoff run, maybe for the Pacers, and then head into the season for the, for the Colts with a little momentum here locally. A little bonus analysis for us today. We got it from <laughs> both sides there from Andrew Walker, Colts.com. Andrew, thank you very much. Enjoy April. It's going to be fun. All right, thanks. All right, good stuff there from Andrew Walker from Colts.com. We've got you through the first six picks now of the NFL draft, and our draft series continues all month long as we get closer and closer now to the, uh, to the big weekend. Well, as we mentioned, it is a huge night, not only for the Pelicans, but uh, in the NBA and specifically for the Western Conference. There's so much going on. Portland and Utah certainly uh, have some things to sort out. We think that Portland will end up being the third seed, but Utah is in a position to make a move here, or at least change their seating. And then the play-in game, as we mentioned, uh, that basically is a winner-take-all between Denver and Minnesota. Uh, winner gets in, loser's out. And then how that shapes up for the um, the seating is also in play because then it could potentially pull up a three- to four-way tie. You kind of get where I'm going with this. It could be a late night for all of us. And we'll be tracking it for you, of course, at pelicans.com. And as long as we're on the air tonight on the Pelicans Radio Network, 
Daniel Salerson will be awfully busy during Pelicans OT tonight. So nonetheless, the Pelicans are in. We just need to find out where they will fall and who they will play against, depending on not only their result tonight, but the results of others as well. Pretty good end to the regular season, don't you think? I would agree. I would agree. And then with that, we've had a great show today on this Wednesday. Thanks again to uh, David Wesley as well for his thoughts coming your way from Fox Sports New Orleans. I'm Sean Kelly. Hope to have you along the radio side with us tonight on 99.5 WRNO-FM in New Orleans, otherwise across the Pelicans radio network. Pre-game coverage on the television side, like radio, begins at 6.30 with Pelicans warm-up and then tip-off just after 7 at the Smoothie King Center. Back on Friday with a podcast that's yet to be determined because of all that has to happen tonight. You're with us on that. Good stuff. We might be on the road. We may be in Studio B. Nonetheless, we'll be with you, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. And with that, I'm Sean Kelly. This has been the Black and Blue Report.